Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We are reading in the book of Hebrews. Last time we read chapter 6 and now we're ready to read chapter 7. Now at the end of chapter 6, the Hebrew writer is mentioning or telling us, reminding us that Jesus has gone ahead of us into the heavenly temple where God is and he is our high priest forever according to the order of Mel Melchizedek. Now, I do not know a lot about Melchizedek. There's a few verses in Genesis and then there's a mention maybe in Psalms if I remember correctly. But uh, the Hebrew writer is going to talk more about this. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through this and we'll try to understand as best we can. Uh, but basically, um, Jesus is a high priest for us to God. He's our intermediary. He's our mediator. You know, he's all these things. We go to God through Jesus. So that's that's the really base core of it. But, but there's more to that than just this. So let me just read here. It's Hebrews 7. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And I am reading from the Amplified Bible. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil. He is first of all by the translation of his name king of righteousness and then he is also king of Salem which means king of peace without any record of father or mother nor ancestral line without any record of beginning of days nor ending of life and that's like birth or death but having been made like the son of God he remains a priest without interruption and without successor. Now a couple of things I want to mention here is the king of Salem. Salem was, or ended up becoming, it was a Jebusite city which ended up becoming, now this is assuming I've understood everything I read properly, that ended up becoming Jerusalem. So it was Salem and it ended up becoming Jerusalem. It was a Jebusite city. And I don't know, we don't know from what I could find in the Old Testament, we don't know what became of Melchizedek. Now, the Hebrew writer here says, I mean, he says exactly what he says, and I'm not refuting any of that in any way. I don't, um, let's see, uh, if you read this without some of the amplified stuff, it's basically saying that this uh, Melchizedek is without father or mother or ancestral line, without beginning of days, birth, nor ending of life, death, but having been made like the Son of God, remains a priest without interruption and without successor, like he is an eternal priest. Now, I don't, I don't know that, and I don't claim that. I'm just saying that that's, that's kind of what this sounds like here. I'm not sure if that's really the intent and the meaning, or if he's just trying to make the comparison in that we have no records about this guy other than that he you know, he shows up, he's the high priest, Abraham offers him, you know, the tithe uh, from his spoils, and Melchizedek blesses Abraham. And we know from what we've read that the greater always blesses the lesser. So that's where we're going to go and continue with that thought. And then the, the idea is that as he was Abraham's high priest, 
Jesus is our high priest, except Jesus is our high priest and he's in heaven with God the Father. So I'm going to continue on just with those thoughts in mind. As I said, I don't know a lot about Melchizedek and there's not a lot in the Bible and I'm I'm loath to just take anything you can find and accept it. You know, I mean, there might be a lot of things out there. If we can find uh, a valuable, reputable source for information, that would be fine. But, uh, you know, the most valuable, the most reputable source is the Bible. So trying to go by what we find in here. All right, I'm going to continue on with verse 4. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen, though these have descended from Abraham. But this person, Melchizedek, who is not from the Levitical ancestry, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. Yet it is beyond all dispute that the lesser person is always blessed by the greater one. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death. But in that case, concerning Melchizedek, they are received by one of whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. Now, there is, there are notes here that different people have different beliefs about Melchizedek like maybe he was even the son of God you know that maybe he was actually Jesus or you know and that he I, but I don't know that there's uh, I guess I could read you the note here but uh, some believe that Melchizedek was an ordinary man blessed and appointed by God as a special priest now that's kind of what I thought, <clears throat> you know, back in this old time before the law in the world, where people, some people still knew of God, Abraham knew of God, and, and this person could have too, <clears throat> who serves as a Christ-like figure in his priestly and kingly functions because his order was a priesthood without end. So I, you know, that's how I kind of think of him, is he was a person who actually did know God like Abraham knew God. Others take the description literally to mean that Melchizedek was not a human, but an angel, or even Christ himself as the Son of God. Um, so, you know, I guess either is possible that it could have been Melchizedek, could have been Jesus, or even possibly an angel. <coughs> but... You know, Melchizedek in Genesis, he shows up and he sets forth, you know, food for Abraham and the kings to, uh, I think it was the king of um, Sodom to, you know, they're, they're trying to work out a solution. So, anyway, you can always go back and read that. We're going to read that, the Lord willing, when we get, when we get to the Old Testament and we get to Genesis. <clears throat> but for now... The Hebrew writer says that they are received by one whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. A person might even say that Levi, the father of the priestly tribe himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, the father of all Israel and of all who believe, 
For Levi was still in the loins or unborn of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him, met Abraham. So that's kind of a, that's one way of looking at it. When Abraham paid Melchizedek his tithes or gave his tithes, that is, in a way you could say that at that time everybody, all of Israel really, had basically given tithes to this because their father Abraham did, had given tithes to this high priest. So, <clears throat> still a lot there that um, we may not know or we may never know about Melchizedek. I don't know. Um, so I'm going to, yeah, I'm just admitting that I don't know. So I'm going to move on with verse 11. Now if perfection, a perfect fellowship between God and the worshiper, had been attained through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people were given the law, what further need was there for another and different kind of priest to arise, one in the manner of Melchizedek, rather than one appointed to the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is of necessity a change of the law concerning the priesthood as well. For the one of whom these things are said belongs not to the priestly line of Levi, but to another tribe from which no one has officiated or served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord descended from the tribe of Judah. And Moses mentioned nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. And this becomes even more evident if another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a physical and legal requirement in the law. Oh, okay, I'm sorry, my screen just flashed. I'm not sure why. And it moved my where I was, so I apologize. Give me just a moment. Okay. For the one of whom these things are said belonged not to the priestly line of Levi, but to another tribe from which no one has officiated or served at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord descended from the tribe of Judah, and Moses mentioned nothing about priests in connection with that tribe. And this becomes even more evident if another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a physical and legal requirement in the law concerning his ancestry as a descendant of Levi, which of course we know he was not, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible and endless life, for is attested by God of him, you, Christ, are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, <clears throat> referring back to the order of Melchizedek, Melchizedek was a priest and king of Salem, of Jerusalem, <clears throat> and he was known to God, and he was, I mean, I, I don't know that this necessarily has to mean that Melchizedek was an angel or the son of God, but he was known to God, and he was a priest of God, and he was following God's um, following God's will. So, but nonetheless, whether he was or not, maybe he was, you know, maybe he was uh, basically Jesus already, though I don't, I don't have any way to know that, or an angel, or some other, you know, maybe he was God in some other form, just, you know, but that doesn't really sound correct because that's not really what is said in Genesis. So it really sounds to me like he was a man and that he was a priest and king following God's will, 
over what was the in Salem. So, alright, so I'm going to continue on. I don't really want to theorize because I don't really know. And, um, but the relationship here that he's making, or the comparison he's making, is that Jesus, instead of being like a Levitical priest who, you know, has to go through all the formal uh, preparations and things that the, that the Jewish priests do, the, the Levites, uh, instead of that, he's making the comparison that Jesus is more of a priest and king, and he is our priest and king, our high priest and king, um, more along the lines of Melchizedek, who who came and, uh, you know, Abraham gave tithes to, and he, he was blessed by Melchizedek, so... What more of a relationship there was there, I do not know. For on the one hand, a former commandment is cancelled because of its weakness and uselessness, because of its inability to justify the sinner before God. For the law never made anything perfect, while on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we now continually draw near to God. And indeed, it was not without the taking of an oath that Christ was made priest, for those Levites who formerly became priests received their office without its being confirmed by the taking of an oath. But this one was designated with an oath through the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind or regret it. You, Christ, are a priest forever. And so because of the oath's greater strength and force, Jesus became the certain guarantee of a better covenant, a more excellent and more advantageous agreement, one that will never be replaced or annulled. The former successive line of priests on the one hand existed in greater numbers because they were each prevented by death from continuing perpetually in office. But on the other hand, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently and without change because he lives on forever. Therefore, he is able also to save forever, completely, perfectly, for eternity, those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. So this is a great definition of, of Jesus, his priesthood, and what he's doing for us. It's, it's, I just think it's excellent to know that and to see that in this light, but on the other hand, Jesus holds his priesthood permanently and without change. He is eternal. He is our eternal, if we look at it, Jesus is our eternal sacrifice and forgiveness for sins. He is our eternal high priest. He's our eternal king. He's all these things to us. He has, you know, he has done so much for us. Because he lives on forever, therefore he is able to save forever those who come to God through him, since he always lives to intercede and intervene on their behalf with God. It was fitting for us to have such a high priest, perfectly adapted to our needs, holy, blameless, unstained by sin, separated from sinners, and exalted higher than the heavens, who has no day-by-day -day need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices first of all for his own personal sins, and then for those of the people, because he met all the requirements and did this once for all when he offered himself, offered up himself as a willing sacrifice. So, 
He did this once for all. His sacrifice was once for all. It's an eternal sacrifice in that we are eternally forgiven repeatedly through his sacrifice. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, frail, sinful, dying men, but the word of the oath of God, which came after the institution of the law, permanently appoints as a as priest a son who has been made perfect forever. And of course we know that son is Jesus and he is our high priest and our king. He is our mediator. He is, he is so many things to us. He's everything that we need so that we can communicate with God, so that we can talk to God the Father, so that we can pray and be forgiven and repent and, uh, and also to be blessed. And he blesses us and he gives us, um, you know, he gives us the remission of sins through his sacrifice. When we are baptized, we basically are being, we're basically dying as he died. We're going down under and then we're coming back up. We're being resurrected in new life and we're a new creature through Jesus. All of these things are because of Jesus our Lord. So there's, there's so much here to think about. But the Hebrew writer is really focusing on saying, look, Jesus is our high priest. He's there. He's our mediator. He's an eternal high priest. And his sacrifice was once for all. And it was for all. It was for everyone, whether they accept it or not. He still did it for everyone. So that is the end of Hebrews chapter 7. I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.